0: Get ready to peel back the layers of fruity goodness with It's Bananas, the podcast where we build an appetite for juicy living, and pleasure, fun, joy, and connection await with each succulent bite. It's deep, it's delicious, and it's bananas. Welcome back to Snack Time here on It's Bananas. This is Becky, also known as the Fruit Maven. Today, we're going to look at what's on my mind, what's on my table, and for the first time ever, who's at my table. At my table today is a special guest. Her name is Leah, and she is one of the hosts of both Afternoon Delight and Afternoon Army, two sister podcasts in our network. Leah, feel free to say Hello. Hello. So I'm with Leah in person today because I came up to San Francisco yesterday and we both saw a concert last night of a band that we love called The Rose. And I want to give a shout out for finding The Rose and for finding what's on my table today to another one of the Afternoon Army hosts, Tanya. She wasn't able to join us today, but she has seen The Rose a number of times and will be seeing them on their new tour from the future date. If you aren't familiar with The Rose, we aren't going to talk too much about them today, but if you aren't familiar with them or you aren't familiar with K-pop... Well, I don't know that these guys are necessarily what I would call K-pop, but they're a good. I think they're a good entry point to the Korean music industry at
1: large. Leah, what would you,
0: how would you describe them to someone who's never heard them before?
1: I would say that sometimes K-pop, if you're like me, K-pop at first felt like a high barrier to entry. It felt like there was a lot going on with K-pop. Mm. There was a lot of production. It felt significantly younger so this is a whole other conversation but for me it took me a little while to get into k-pop now i'm hard into k-pop the rose i would say is more like korean indie music they got their start by doing busking on the streets of hongdae they are musicians and i feel like their their front man is usang is from la they speak a lot of english so i think for the west it's a low barrier to entry because you're going to get a lot of english a lot of music in english And a lot of kind of just more like of an alt rock, earnest emo vibe. And so, yeah, I think that like for the West, it's a pretty easy leap to listen, go from like bands you might normally like and enjoy to listening to The Rose.
0: Yeah, for sure. So they have a brand new album out called Dual, which is fantastic. Highly recommend it. And if you do listen to it and you are interested, there are more podcasts about them on the Afternoon Army podcast, so check it out. We are not here to talk about them today. We are here to talk about a different recommendation from Tanya. I was actually messaging with her on Fruit Maven, and she asked me if I had ever had Korean shine musket grapes. And I had not, but that day I was heading to a Korean market and I said I would check it out and look and see if they had them. So I I headed over to the market that day and I was looking around and I found all the grapes. There were tons and tons out in the center of like the produce section. Japanese grapes, regular house, like normal green grapes from here. And then I looked in this one area and there was a huge sign, $29.99 on sale today for $26.99. The smallest bunch of perfect Korean musket grapes. And I will not lie, I looked at those, and then I was like, I cannot spend that amount of money on these grapes, headed back outside to the car, went back in the store and bought the grapes. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to bring these up here to share with Leah, because for me, on previous episodes, I've talked about how grapes are a great metaphor for community. So I thought if I was going to come up with someone who for sure I've met within a community of fandom that I love then this would be a great place to share these with someone. So my first question is, have you seen these grapes in any of the content that you've watched? Because that's what had Tanya wanting to find them, was she'd seen them on the content.
1: Well, first let me just say, have I ever seen these grapes in person? And Mm. I have not. And our family is a big fan of Is It Cake? A show where you watch people bake and you're like, did they make a stack of bath towels or is it cake? Looking at these grapes, I feel like this is the isn't cake version of grapes. These are the most. I'm like emotional almost <laughs> looking at these grapes. It's like I'm looking at the origin story of the grape. Like this is the Old Testament God of grapes.
0: They look fake. They, they really do. <laughs> they're they're remarkably perfect. They're also packaged up in a crazy way. They came in a box. There's a cardboard box in the bottom a plastic box on top. Then we open that. There's like a, what is this? Is There's like a
1: styrofoam mm, kind of like, yeah, make sure things don't get crushed. And
0: and then it's, inside of that was a, a whole plastic bag with some words on it. And then inside of that is the, the precious, precious
1: bag. Like, yeah, it's like the Ark the of the Christ. Covenant. <laughs> <laughs> if I feel like I'm giving a lot of biblical memo, like it feels holy. I feel like these are not, these, these grapes feel Expensive.
0: So clearly, five out of five visuals.
1: Yeah. Let's we'll start rated this And so the only time I have ever seen these grapes out in like any kind of episodes is from a BTS Weaver's, like a live recording that members would do like in their homes or just more casually. And it happened last year on the youngest member Jung Gook's birthday. He was doing a live and the oldest member of BTS showed up and brought him these grapes as a gift he was also incredibly intoxicated and it was really like a charming interaction and jungkook had this little bunny cake and at one point jin started taking these shy musket grapes plucking them and then shoving them all into this cake until the cake looked like it had like some form of leprosy smallpox (laughs) and they looked good like they looked impressive but seeing them up close, like they still just, dis- they don't disappoint.
0: So they're like, you
1: should know, they're like an
0: inch wide, like the um, yeah. diameter. Is is they're huge. They're, they're like giant. the biggest grapes I've ever I've ever seen in my life. So I've only seen them, so I've seen that live as well. And then I've also seen them on a few variety shows where people will really do silly things in order to just get one grape. Mm-hmm. Like I watched one of them and they had to do rhyme that they had to repeat about musket grapes. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the it felt like the equivalent of like repeatedly saying Sally sells seashells okay. by the seashores. But if they messed up, they didn't get a grape. So they had to sing this whole little rhymey song, and then if they nailed it, they would get one grape great so they would do it was like pretty kind of just embarrassing and they were so heartbroken if they did not earn the grape and they did not share
1: it was like I got the grape you did not get the grape and did they put the whole grape in their mouth or did they take bites bites okay yeah no they're big yeah because that's what I was trying to decide like when we try these do I take the whole thing and shove it in the hatch or do I like nibble on it I don't know let's do it we're at that point we're gonna try them what are you gonna what are you gonna go for are you gonna bite it or are you gonna um, I, I'm just gonna just have, just have to see once in? I hold it in my hand how I'm feeling about it first of all okay now I have one in my hand it's heavy <laughs> it is. it's like a, it's like a baby it's like a a teenage mouse wait <laughs> <laughs> have you held a teenage <laughs> mouse? That's what I would imagine it's got their substance here
0: we are both bouncing our hand up and down like just basically weighing it because it's they're
1: vaguely testicular if you hold them in the right way <laughs> they are which are you gonna do are you gonna lick it i usually lick them honestly. oh you are see Ir- i'm not a licker but i with it. okay yeah i'll lick it i will say it licks like i would expect i didn't get anything special out of the licking it's just a big wet smooth thing so we're gonna stick with the testicular vibe then. <laughs> no, i would say if it was more if it was going to be a true testicular I'd expect more velvet and musk <laughs> to the scent yeah okay okay sorry so what's the next step we try it we taste it okay i'm gonna bite the top are you biting the top or bottom okay hmm okay thoughts so
0: to me this tastes like a pretty typical grape i feel like it's very sweet the texture is near perfect i will give it that like it's a nice firm it's juicy in the exact amount right amount of weight a little bit jelly-ish but it doesn't have a particularly unique taste to me. It just tastes like a nice,
1: perfectly sweet grape.
0: I thought it would be more
1: interesting or unusual. Yeah, I would say even the flavor is not powerful.
0: Mellow. It's yeah. a
1: very mellow grape flavor. So I'm gonna say my initial feeling was disappointment because I was because the visuals are like a thousand out of a thousand. So, in biting into it, I was expecting a little bit more of a pop wow, and I would say it's more standard grape, except, so where I would say it's winning for me is the visuals and the texture. The texture is perfect texture.
0: Texture is perfect. Five out of five.
1: And then the flavor is kind of just like, to me, slightly average, but I have only had half of a bite of one. Agreed. So, I'll keep going.
0: Let's smell it. You can keep eating it.
1: I'm not getting a lot of smell.
0: I don't get a lot of smell either. And I, the smell, so I looked this up before we tasted these and the smell was supposed to be a big part of it. Like the aroma was something they were trying to
1: capture when they... Maybe when you fresh pick it, it's more?
0: Maybe. So part of what makes these so expensive, so I do think they're very expensive in Korea as well, but I also think what makes them expensive here is like all of the shipping and packaging and sending them over. Although we get a ton of imported mm-hmm. fruit that doesn't end up thirty dollars. Mm-hmm. Let me just say the discount price of thirty to twenty seven made me laugh. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> once you're at that price point, is the three dollars worth it? However, because I spent so much at the store, I did win a free light bulb.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Which is and what kind of light bulb?
0: It was an outdoor, like a floodlight light bulb. Like I thought it would be indoor for a lamp, but no, it's a, it's a very special, like a particular light bulb that I cannot use. It's just that I don't know what to do with it. I'm like, why did I win this? You just
1: need to start to put it on a shelf of winning. (laughs) (laughs) Things I won for buying expensive fruit. A collection. So I feel like the price point is worth it for the wow, but not for the flavor. Like, if you were to show up and I knew what these were, I'd be like, oh my gosh. Like, I can see why people would bring this and be like, happy birthday. Happy housewarming. Happy something that's an event that I want to bring and make an occasion out of. This is not just bringing like a dusty bag of Safeway grapes. I agree. And if
0: I hadn't paid it, if someone had brought these to me, Mm -hmm. and I didn't know all of this history, like if my expectations weren't as high, I would think these were the best grapes I've ever, like of your average green grape. I've had other more exciting grapes. I thought the Kyoho grapes were very Mm. interesting. They had quite a more complicated flavor. But for your perfect green grape on the table, these are really nice. I'd be like, wow, these are amazing. Do I think they're six times better or Mm. five times better based on the price? I don't mm.
1: I think I also might. This is a me thing. I think that I'm realizing that I like sour in my grapes a bit. And this has the anti-sour. This is like they're not going for a sour flavor in that fruit at all.
0: Yeah, I agree. So it doesn't have, the way I would say it is it doesn't have like the balance of acidity that mm. a really, like the perfect fruit for me has. This is, stays sweet. It's just in the yes, mellow But sweet. it's not
1: overly sweet. It doesn't taste uh-uh. like cloying sweet. It doesn't. And it's funny because I'd also say that because of the size that it should have like a watery flavor, but the consistency is anti-water, but it almost tastes like it's been watered down.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good description.
1: So... Yesterday in getting Becky from the airport, I was dropping off some um, some family friends who were going back to Canada and basically when when Becky showed up, she had a tiny bag, which I want to give commend. I want to commend you on this. This is a non sequitur, but I think it's important. Thank you. So she traveled with a very tiny bag and her bag was half, she's like my bag is half grape and she wasn't kidding. But the other thing was like I felt like we were also in a situation of like Oregon life flight like this we were having plans to like go to dinner or to go to lunch it was hot out I was like these grapes are not going to be the grapes that you just leave in the car and hope for the best these are almost $30 so my car has like a built-in car fridge so we got the grapes into the car fridge and my friend's we're pretty curious about all of this like this felt unusual <laughs>
0: <laughs> i mean i flew grapes from san diego yeah.
1: and so before they left to get on the cal trains to go back to san francisco airport we gave them each a grape which later i think that we have the audio file so when you edit this okay weave we'll in their it. reaction because i'm curious to see where they fall out in the grape
0: we are here at the cal train station experiencing our first k grape
1: it's uh, green. It has um, Bright flat, green. flat bits on the side where it was grown up against its siblings.
0: On the bunch. A very tightly held bunch. Now we're going to take our first bite. Grapey. It tastes like a grape, but not as intense as like the best grape you've ever had in your life. There's no seeds.
1: This is a very mellow grape. Large.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Quite a large grape. About the size of... Uh, ping pong bowl? Not quite. Refreshing. Smells like a grape.
0: Not overwhelmed by the grape. I hope you have a lovely experience with your K-grapes. Bye! So we didn't listen to it because we wanted to try this live and have our own experience. So I'm loving sharing this because on the last when I did a full grape episode at the end of it I was having so much fun that I was like I, I want to be sharing this whole experience with Mm. someone else. So what I want to do is move into the deeper part of the conversation, which is how does it feel to talk about something you really love? So there's the experience of loving something yourself. And then there's what it feels like to share that with someone else. And so I was been thinking about that because I was coming up to share the concert with you and to do share these grapes with you. And then we of course met based on shared of a share of loving of things. So obviously you share things you love regularly as a co-host on your two podcasts that you're in. But thinking more broadly or thinking back even before that, would you say that being deeply loving something or being a deep fan of something has historically made you feel more connected to the people around you or has it made you feel more isolated? Like sometimes really loving something can feel weird, right? Or like no one else likes this the way that I do or, or the world doesn't understand the depth mm. of your love. So would you put it in the pile of loving something makes you more isolated or more connected?
1: First, let me have another great Please do. Because I feel like I need one more just to like think about it while I'm eating because I'm still not.
0: You're needing more. It's, yeah, it is an experience. I feel like
1: I need to unpack. I'm not ready to just say goodbye to it. I feel like I haven't gotten to know it enough yet. I understand. (laughs) I liked growing up things probably. I think everyone likes things in their own way. And so I tended to like things probably at a more intense level than maybe other people in my family for example although is that true like I would say that my parents probably have like they liked water skiing for example (laughs) like were they like there were things that they were very into and passionate about I would say that like I'm trying to think of like the earliest things I can remember really liking the first fan music experience I had really liking was the Monkees because they were in rerun stage, I was older, or I was too young to be around for like the like the real monkeys. So I was monkeys were like the rerun stage. So I was all in and watching the monkeys. I had a record player. I would listen to monkeys, and so I took it to. And so that's all normal. That's all normal liking. Where I think I got a little bit more extra was so then I started to get like old fan books, and I don't even know where my parents acquired these for me. So I give them some props for this because. I don't think these were just at the store. Like, and I don't know where in like the 80s you were finding old monkey fan books. So then I began to learn like Mickey Dolenz, the drummer of the Monkees, had a daughter named Georgia. So I was like, I don't love the name Georgia. I love Mickey Dolenz. And I remember like grappling with that and then being like, I just have to go all in. I'm liking Georgia too. Like I have to like that name because my favorite members named their daughter that.
0: Oh, your love had to be whole. Like 100%. Yeah.
1: So I had to just sit and grapple until I was like, I fucking love this name. <laughs> and so that's kind of weird. And then I also would go to the playground and we had bouncy horses. So I think this was like third grade. And I convinced my friends to name the bouncy horses on the playground after the monkeys. So I would just get on the orange bouncy horse, which was Peter Tork who is also in the monkeys <laughs> and i would just ride the crap out of peter tork non ironically just like with joy like my bouncy horse was named <laughs> peter tork and i would ride it and i don't think my friends knew what i was talking about did they even know who peter tork was i know they just rolled with it okay i think they, they just peter accepted that that was just like how that was going to go and nobody really questioned me so I wouldn't say I was like the popular elementary school kid leading the charge and setting up a new trend. I think people were mostly just like, you know, sometimes I think when people talk about something and they don't get it, you can either get teased for it or people just are like, I don't know what you're talking and about you and let it happen. Yeah. Shrug and move on. So I think I got very used to people just shrugging and moving on with things I liked and I just became really comfortable with that. Like my liking something was not required to have someone else like it. So I got very deep into Anna Green Gable's. I got very deep into the Laura Ingalls Wilder's universe. Like my parents took me on vacations to like go see like all the homesteads and things like this. So they did enable some of this. I'm trying to think of like when I ever got into community, liking something... I think I've always been fairly, like, it just was my things that I was into. Like, I knew the world was into them, but I was into them in, like, Metallica. I got very into when I was, like, in seventh grade. And so I was, like, quietly into Metallica to the point where I would just, like, but I wanted to watch content. So, like, I would get, like, VHS videos of Metallica and, like, watch, like, Lars Ulrich. And it wasn't like my friends. I didn't go like, be like, hey, last night I was just like totally vibing out on my videos of Metallica. Let's talk about it. And then I'm trying to think of other things I went really deep on. Last of the Mohicans, I went really deep on, like deep to where I wrote a lot of fan fiction about the movie or is the book, there's a book too. I did not enjoy the book. Okay, I will say the book is one out of 10 stars. Okay. The movie I've seen more than almost any other movie. And I was really interested in a side character in the movie, not the main couple. So there's a side romance that happens with the character Uncas. It's not a happy story, but I became obsessed with Uncas who has maybe two lines in the whole movie and has some like long dappled light imagery, like where he's next to a waterfall, having like silent longing for like another character who doesn't say very much. And so I became like very taken with that. And that's not something I can easily bring to friend groups and be like, so I am very obsessed with this minor character in the movie, <laughs> Last <of> the Higgins, <laughs> and need to talk about it. But I think here's the difference. All these things I'm saying, I was, this is before social media. And so for me, where I began to build community and friendships around liking things was probably in like the early 2000 with the advent of like being on Twitter more. And I'm a writer. And so also being on like author Twitter. And that was a place where I could be like, I need to talk about Renesmee from Twilight because I have a lot of things I like to talk about Renes- the Renesmee plot in Twilight. It's a wild Who plot. <laughs> Yeah, like TLDR, her father has to eat her out of her mother's vampire uterus. It's a wild decision in the plot. Okay, let me just say, if you haven't listened to the
0: Fig Wasp <laughs> episode, I recommend. It is weirdly similar, and I suddenly wonder if
1: there was some inspiration there. So Okay, okay. Well, <laughs> That just came out
0: today, on the day we're recording. That episode okay. came out.
1: I will have to listen and see. So anyway, I could mention that, and immediately somebody would be like, yes, I want to talk about this too. And so that was a whole, that became new for me. And then being in romance, which is kind of like a club that like people were judging from the outside. You kind of had to like find allies within that. And then you would like things, weird things in the world and talk about liking them. And you'd find someone else that liked them. So I think for me, that was like the beginning. And so when people talk about social media as being very isolating for me it's been the exact opposite. For me it was one of the more connective things that I've ever experienced and continues to connect me with people.
0: Yeah, for me too. I so I did not. It's interesting to hear you talk about having basically found deep dive different things throughout your whole life. I have not been like that. Okay. Other than um fruit, which even with fruit I enjoyed it in a different way and I didn't need to deep dive. I didn't need to talk about it. I wasn't I mean I did. I had a blog. I mean, it's a weird thing, but like I didn't need to go find connection. It wasn't until I discovered K-dramas which were recommended to me by a friend and she was happy to talk with me about them but I dove in so deep Mm. and I was watching them so much faster than she was that I just felt like I have to find more people talking about this like I felt a weird not weird it was new to me Mm -hmm. um like desperation for like who else does anyone feel like this because I had I hadn't ever fallen that hard for something and it was a new sensation. And I really, I just wanted to be like, are other people doing this? So social media connected me a lot. I found your podcast, and then that was like, okay, yes. Every, like, these people get it. It was pretty, it was both new to me to feel that I loved something deeply at that level. And then hearing other people talk about it was pretty interesting, too. And those were two really different experiences mm-hmm. for me. So, like, even now, do you, do you get different things? I mean, I feel like this is kind of obvious question on the surface, but like, I get different things from, loving it myself, mm-hmm. whatever the thing is, BTS, the dramas. And then there's a whole nother level of love when I connect with other people and I get something completely different from that sense of community. And then I have to sort of be, I almost have to prepare, like what are my own thoughts on this and how do I protect those before I'm willing to kind of be vulnerable in the, mm. in the world? Because I do think in a lot of fandoms, there is pressure to love something in whole, like a hundred percent. I do like that on K dramas, it's a little bit, there's more room because it's not a singular person or group. It's like, we can talk about this story and what worked and what didn't work. So that's kind of nice because I'm someone who likes to analyze Mm a lot of things. So I guess, what do you, what do you get differently from loving it yourself? That's the thing, whatever it is versus what you get from connecting with other people.
1: So I think how I want to answer this is first to say that, like, sometimes I feel like I want to be very generous and say, like, let's say I watch a K-drama and I'm like, I loved this K-drama. It was so great for me. I really enjoy it. If it didn't connect with you, that's fine. We all like what we like. Like on the surface, I feel very much like this. And intellectually, I feel like this. But there have been times where I've loved something so much that if someone's like, I actually don't love that at all. I'm not like, look, I can't be friends with you. But I have like an emotionally visceral reaction, and we talk about this on our on our podcast for um, Afternoon of Delight, where sometimes if one of us is really liking something, we'll be like, "Look, you just need to know that I'm in this place with it. That like it's not just going to be like, let's discuss the tropes and the plot. Like I'm having some sort of thing, and if other people connect and love it too, it becomes elevated and more delighted. And if somebody else doesn't really like it so much, then we have to like all be very careful. Which I think is a useful experience because it's really important to understand that like we aren't all homogenous thinkers, and we are all are allowed to like what we like, but also being respectful to people. So I once had a really empowering conversation, a really interesting conversation, where I watched a movie. It was called Sabok. Have you seen Sabok? I have. So I watched Sabok, and we were really excited to watch Sabok. And I watched it and I didn't like it. And so my friend who I do the podcast with, Megan, was like, I really liked it. And I'm like, well, I think it's stupid. And she was like, let's talk about your choice of stupid. Because when you say this, it's not a thoughtful, creative word. You're not unpacking a lot. And you're also making me feel like I'm like wrong in liking it. And I was like, this is all very true. And so I was very comfortable with her. Like Normally in life, I wouldn't be like, you like that? That's stupid. But like we are very close. But I was like, even if I'm close with somebody, I still need to be like, you're allowed to like the thing. And that's okay if I didn't connect, but I, it's my job to be a little bit more thoughtful and why I like didn't like it as opposed to just being like, it's dumb. I think it's so easy to do that. Mm. We get,
0: I don't know if it's just like, we feel uh, just me. I don't need to say we, like I, sometimes I just feel entitled to my opinion. Right. Mm. And I'm like, I'm just going to say it without necessarily thinking through all the reasons why there's a level of. Not, I don't mean to be overly harsh, but a level of laziness sometimes mm-hmm. in the way I talk about things. But I do want to be, especially in fandom spaces, but even just out in the world, because it's easy to dismiss things without realizing, oh, this might feel land really differently. And I, I'm talking about a, an object or a thing or an, you know whatever it is, but like that might feel weirdly precious to someone, and that it's it's hard to guess when that will happen. Mm. I think it's smart to just pause a little bit and be more useful in our words I guess sometimes it's a little hard to do but yeah yeah.
1: and also it's made me I think in liking something a lot it has made me more open-minded I think I had I've moved away from having a lot of judgment so when somebody would be like I'm into something that I would deem quote weird or like I didn't resonate with it like I'm thinking of I want to think of examples and these are not to call out if you're at home identifying with these don't feel called out. This is like, I've really changed in how I've thought about this. But like, let's say I'm going to go with a really common one because it's pretty popular is Disney adults. So I did not, I do not have a Disney adult, but like Disney doesn't mean much to me. And so I would see people be like very into Disney adulting. I kind of be like, I don't get it. But I was kind of like, meh, whatever. Whereas now I'm like, I'm really curious. What is it that's making you say not to prove it to me, but like, I'm just excited to like hear people be excited about things. And so I think that's the big shift I've had probably in like, you know, my last like decade has been moving from more like what seems like it's not just nothing I like is cool as I'm saying, <laughs> so like you know, having a bouncy horse named Peter Tork was never cool. I think I was able to like, I think I moved to a place. I think that was like my youth. I think I was very open to liking whatever and being like, this is the weird stuff I like. And I am me." then I think I went through a period where I'm like, I like more like that literary fiction. I like cerebral things. I want to be intellectual. I like stuff that feels like it's important. And then when I started to realize, actually, I just love commercial shit. Like I love commercial fiction. I really love commercial music. Like I am, this is where I want to be. And you can still make that smart. I think that's where that's been like my growth area in the last 10 years and coming into community with people who want to talk about that rather than being like, well, it's just pop music or it's just this. Like whenever you put it's just on something, I'm like, well, anything can be deep dive to the ninth degree, including grapes. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Perfect. Grapes.
0: Yes. No, I totally agree with you. I've had a similar thing in the last year where I've started asking people what they're into or what they love. I went to a dinner a few weeks ago and I talked to someone who ended up... I found out he was really into Japanese anime. And it was so fun to watch him light up and talk Mm. about that. And if someone had said to me, would you be interested in hearing someone talk about Japanese anime for the next 45 minutes? I'd be like, not really. But talking to someone else who loved Japanese anime and watching... I'm interested in what he loved about it, what was exciting to him. Like, all of that was riveting to me once the lens in my mind was just a little bit different. Mm. And then suddenly at the end of it, while well, I watched him just enjoy this thing out loud. And a couple of times he felt a little bit, are you sure you want this level of detail? I'm like, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Give me all of it. And by the end, I was like, you know what? I think I kind of want to watch Japanese anime. How can someone love this at this level? Like, I need to know what this mm-hmm. is about. It's very infectious when I put down that judgment lens of, yeah. oh, I know I do I, or don't like this, or I am or I'm not interested in it. Similar, I listen to a guy talk about the video game he's into at work for an hour. And it's like, I didn't think I was interested in that thing, but I am interested in what people love and how they love it. That just
1: kind of adds, it all starts to spiral for me. Yeah. And if you think about it, like how do we meet with people? We were like, what do you do? Because like that's the polite thing to do is what do you do? And if you're like, I am a marketer, I work in higher ed. It's like, you know, I normally will care, but I'm not going to be like, let's sit down and deep dive what it is that you love about this. I mean, maybe I should more, but like, I feel like it's very surface and that's just how we meet people and how we put people in boxes. And I've just got, I wish we could meet people and be like, what are you really into? But we're not in a safe place as a culture to do that either. To be like, open up and be very vulnerable about this like weird thing you love. Maybe you're into like, I don't know, Whale reproduction. I don't know what it is, but like whatever it is that you're into. Because even for me right now, I'm thinking like I'm very confident in my fandoms. Like, I don't, if somebody's like, I think it's stupid, I'm like, I think you're stupid. Like, it just doesn't (laughs) like worry me. But I also am very much, I don't open up about it unless somebody really is like, I want to take time to ask questions and be curious. If somebody looks like they're just kind of gonna be like dismissive, I'm like, why would I waste my time and my energy and like my thing that's special? Why do I wanna like put your like little fingerprints all over it? I'd rather just keep it to myself. Like I don't need you to like it. But what's interesting is that like I have a friend that you know now, high school friend, her name's Erin. I don't think she'll mind if I say her name on the pod. But we hung out last year and I shared very like high level, like I normally would. Like, I am really into this group. BTS now, it's a thing for me. I enjoy them. And I kind of just left it at that. Since then, she has found her way into the fandom in the last year. And she was like, you really underplayed that when we were together, like on our vacation. Like you really did. And I was like, but I didn't have a need for you to like them. Like I didn't particularly think that you would. And I just didn't feel like it needed to be like taking up that space. Like for me, it takes up a lot of space and I'm happy with it. But I don't always feel like I need to share it. And now I kind of wonder like how much should like this is the evangelical question how much do you share the good word of the stuff you like and how much do you say look people will just come to it if they're going to come to it or not but I don't need to like be like the MLM of my joy or like the religious zealot of my joy
0: I think you know what I think my answer to that question is that it's worth sharing because even if I think it would have been valuable to me to hear other people gush about the thing that they love one maybe i would have gotten introduced to that thing and i would have loved it too but probably more important for me i would have felt like loving something at that level is okay mm. and i don't know i don't know that i walked around thinking it wasn't okay but i might have i think i did i think that was there somewhere like really letting go and falling in love with something came to me so late in life but and i can't help but wonder how much of that was society pressure that i didn't allow myself to go there until I was in a very confident adult space Mm. where I was just like, I love this thing. I remember watching the first K drama I watched and between episodes, I would literally in my mind, ask myself, am I allowed to be this happy? Like what was it? It was King's affection. That was your first That was my first one, which is an odd start. Yeah. Um, That is an unusual start. I could not figure, I was like, what is happening right Mm. now? I asked myself over and over, am I allowed to be this happy? Which is a very odd, why was that the starting point? And I was like, I am, I am allowed to. And so what do I do with this? Like it felt like this chaotic energy that I wanted to direct somewhere. So to me, I don't need anyone else to like King's affection. Mm. But if when I go talk about it, someone's like, I want that. Mm-hmm. I want that level. Like, Is that, is that feeling available to me? That seems awesome. That's what I want to be evangelical about, right? That Well, I mean, in a way, that's what this whole podcast is about.
1: So have you talked about Rome, the Rome thing yet?
0: Yes, a little okay. bit.
1: So I want to touch on this idea that, you know, Becky's brought up in a previous podcast, and it's kind of like having its moment in society of like, what do we, this idea that men think about the Roman Empire, which I call bullshit on many aspects of this, but like, it's a thing right now. But it did make me, what it opened up the door to because it became kind of like a current, I don't know, not a current event, like just a trendy topic, would be asking people, well, what's your Roman Empire? What do you think about? This is where I'm like, is this real? Some of the answers surprised me. And I'm like, is this real or do you just not want to be vulnerable? And both troubled me. <laughs> so let me give examples. So asking a number of people what their Roman Empire is, who are not people in the fan, like fandom spaces, just like out in my, in real life world, the first automatic answer was always work. Then I would try to like push back on that. Like, yes, yes, we all think about work, but like, what are like things you think about? Like, you know, like topics of interest that you may just have as like a thing that you've returned to, to like grapple with or be excited about. And I mean, I didn't get very far. Like people were like, I don't know. I think about like making my to-do lists and I'd be like, okay. And so then I'd be like, well, is the to-do list like a real answer? And in case like that's fair, like maybe you're really, maybe that to-do list means that you're into like planners and then you're into like planner life. Cause that's a whole like subset of joy that people get is like their planner. So I was like, I didn't want to like be totally intense about it. So i try to back off, but I was like trying to be like, is that where you're going? Or you don't have the joy or the thing to think about or and this is where I'm thinking this is the truth. You just don't know that it's okay to be excited and share that thing. So you're hiding it. And you don't even maybe necessarily know you're hiding it because we've been so indoctrinated to like, sharing that you really like something is very vulnerable in many ways. Because if someone shits on the thing, I guess that ties back, which I did not even mean to, to talk about the thing with the K-drama, is when we say, I really love this, and someone's like, meh. It's almost like somebody's looked at a part of our heart and been like, not you. And that's hard.
0: Yep. And I think the other thing I find is when I do meet people who are willing to say the thing they love, I'd be curious to know for sure, but I feel like nearly always there are caveats. I'm really nerdy. This It's really mm. weird. It's it's deep. Like they want you to know that they know that they're outside. That they're an outlier. Mm -hmm. So I think actually this is a great place to pause on this because let's do that. Like let's be evangelicals for loving things Mm -hmm. in whatever way because I think it matters. And the more that we can be that in the world and just show people in the smallest of ways, it's not like we don't need to go door to door and be handing out pamphlets. Although I'm not opposed to be clear.
1: But if you're into gerbils and that's your life that should be fine that's fine we're for it i picked gerbils because there's a stuffed gerbil on the window okay i was wondering where (laughs) that came from because it did
0: feel very much like it came out of nowhere and on gerbils we will end it at that that's it for the week y'all until next time i apple you
1: and i grape you
0: If you find It's Bananas appealing, it would mean a lot to me if you'd plant a seed of support by giving it a five-star rating and hitting that follow or subscribe button on the It's Bananas show page. Be a peach, share a favorite episode with a friend, and reach out to me on Instagram, at FruitMaven, all one word.